Hey, church, it's so, so good, isn't it, to declare God's names, to declare who he is, back to himself, but over ourselves. He is our way maker. He is awesome. He's incredible, and he's got you. Let's just take a moment. You know, we, we create these moments where we sit in the presence of God together. Let's not just shoot past it. Let's just sit in his presence for a, for a second. I had an incredible conversation during the week, and I was talking with some of the pastors I do life with, and they had been talking with some pastors from Iran. And they were saying, do you know there's over a million Christian believers in Iran right now? There's an explosion taking place right there. And they're not supposed to meet, but they, put, they push together. They're so desperate to get together because they've had this encounter with Jesus. Some of these, these men and women are having personal encounters with Jesus that is just transforming their lives. And I found it so inspiring, even challenging myself. I want to go after you more, Jesus. I want more of your presence. I, I, I want to give myself more to you, better to you, bigger to you. And I just challenge you right now in this moment as we stand in the presence of God to say, I give myself to you afresh. Father God, just thank you for every amazing person that's gathering with us today. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you're leading us, protecting us, providing for us, healing us, making us whole. You love us. You're all powerful. You're more than able. And Lord, I just pray that right now in this moment as we connect with you, you could inspire us all over again to reach outside of ourselves, to love on the people around us, to represent you well. Lord, we thank you for great testimonies from all over the world of people meeting Jesus, lives being transformed by an encounter with Jesus. Lord, let us, your church, encounter you again this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's church said... Amen, amen. Just uh, just give a great big thank you to our worship team. They lead us every week so brilliantly. Give a great big thank you to our production team who faithfully week in, week out, turn up and record and set the lights up and edit. We are so blessed by the commitment of our people to serve. So please thank them. Make a note of that in the in the chat box. Give them a wave. Give them a personal message, whatever you like, but please thankful. thank them. They are so amazing. Hello to everyone watching us on Facebook. Hello to everyone watching us on YouTube. We are on YouTube right now, it would help us if you would subscribe to our channel. It just enables us to do more things as we get more subscribers. So take a moment and subscribe. That would be so helpful. Hello to the watch party. I know when I say that, I'm going to get a great big cheer right there. It's so good to be together in the room. Say hi to someone on the chat box. But we've got an exciting moment coming up in the service on the 8th. Um, and, and it's going to be our impact offering. We have produced these brochures, which are absolutely fantastic. I'm really pleased with them. We've sent them out to the people we know. If you haven't received one of these and you'd like to receive one of these, even if you don't consider yourself part of our church and you'd like to receive one of these, just get in touch with the church via email, essex at equippers.co.uk and give us your address and we'll send you one. I believe it will inspire you and encourage you in what the church is doing in today. And here's the thing, the whole idea and premise of the impact offering, which we've themed Awakening Dreams, is to position ourselves financially to be able to accelerate when the moment arises. You know, we've looked at the things we've been able to do for the church in Ghana. They're believing to build their own building and we're funding that or part funding that with them and getting our financial weight to do that. 
We're changing the world from here in the UK. It's so, so good. We talked about the impact we've had locally with people who have struggled through the COVID season and haven't been able to put food on the table. Well, we've stepped up and the impact offering is going to enable us to keep doing that. But we've also got a dream of owning our own building. And we've been putting some money aside for a few years now and it's building up and we're getting into larger sums of money. It's very exciting that we're in touching distance of getting a deposit together for our own building. And again, we will put some of our impact offering behind that. And here's the thing for me. I've got children. I saw many of you got children and even grandchildren. And wouldn't it be awesome if our children and our grandchildren and their children could grow up in a church that has an amazing building, a great facility to serve the community from, a great building to get together and worship the King of Kings with, a great building to have youth clubs in and baby meetings in and all these different things. Where we haven't had that, we could position them so they could have that. So this is us dreaming together about what the future could look like. You know, I love the, the, the idea of vision being a clear picture of a better future. Well, impact offering is enabling us to set ourselves forward, to dream for the future, but actually achieve it. Not just keep talking about it and thinking about it, actually do it. So would you pray? Would you consider? Would you get before the Lord and say, how do you want me to play my part financially in this impact offering? And we're going to take those pledges on the 8th of November, and they need to be honored, those pledges, within the calendar year. So you've got 12 months to pay them off so please pray please let God stir that generosity in you and let's position ourselves for the future tap three people and say that's a good plan uh, this coming Wednesday at 7.30, we are postponing our connect groups for one week because we're going to have a vision night. So all of those of you who attend a connect group, come along to the vision night. Even if you're not in a connect group, come along to the vision night. It's going to be on Zoom. The numbers will come up on the screen with the password. And the point is this, that we're going to be able to reflect on the year so far. Lots has happened and we've achieved lots of stuff. And we're going to be able to project and look forward to the things we're hoping to do through the winter season, Christmas coming up and beyond. Got some things to tell you about our existing building. There's lots of exciting things happening in church life. We're going to have communion and James Gom is going to lead us in communion. We love it when James leads us that way. He's such a passionate man. You don't want to miss out. So I will see you on Zoom this coming Wednesday at 7.30. It will just be an hour and it will be a great, great time. So please come. You will be blessed. I will be blessed. We will be blessed together. Hey, let's take our offering. The ways you can give to the church will come up to my left here on the screen. And I just want to just declare a blessing over you as you give to the Lord because he loves it. He loves a generous giver. He loves a generous heart. And it's enabling the church to function at a time when people are looking for hope. And we are the carriers of hope. We carry Jesus. So bless you as you give and allow us to function as a church. Awesome. Are we up for a message? We are in the middle of a series of messages we've called Truth Bombs. This is the sixth Truth Bomb. We've been laughing as we were preparing to record this, this, um, this message and saying, you know, it's number six. There's going to be nine, just to, so you know there's a few more to come. And then we're going to enter into a series of messages around gifts as we um, move towards Christmas. But this is Truth Bomb number six. And here's where I got thinking. We live in times that are fast 
paced. I'm sure you yourself, if you reflect on your life, it's busy, busy, busy. There's lots going on. And we've got so many things that we try and tick, so many boxes to tick. There's relationship goals that you want to be uh, you know, a good friend to someone. You want to be a good husband or a wife. You want to be a, a good boyfriend or girlfriend. You want to be a good friend to someone. I don't know. There's these goals. And who knows that if you, if you care enough, it takes it out of you emotionally. It's not just a physical output. When you're someone's friend, when you're someone's father or mother, when you're someone's spouse, there's an emotional output in that. So it's physical and emotional. It takes it out of you. They're good things, but it drains you. And then they've got things like you know, the parenting goals. You know, who knows that being a great parent takes time and energy, and it takes it out of you. They're good things, but there's output. <coughs> but then you have your career. You know, you have work goals, career goals. There's, there's boxes you want to tick and there's, there's energy you need to put in. There's time you need to give it because you're trying to position yourself financially for a better life. They're good things. On top of all that, you have health and maybe fitness goals. You want to feed yourself better and that takes time and energy and preparation. You might want to stay fit and that takes exercise. More time and energy. As we live our lives, there are so many different demands. They're all good in their own right, but it's busy. Busy, busy, busy. And then what happens with our social world? There's people we want to see and things we want to do. And what happens in the busyness of it all is it gets squeezed. And so often we get to the things that we really love to do and we really want to do, and we're exhausted. And then it feels like work. The thing you love to do starts feeling like work because you've been pressed everywhere because we're so, so busy. It gets to the point, and I can personally relate to this, that you're rushing from week to week with so many boxes to tick and so many pressures on your time and your emotional energy, so many things going on, that you get to the fun stuff and you find yourself in the room but not in the room. Do you know what I mean? You're in the room, you're in the social scene where you're with your family, you're, you're doing the thing you want to do, but your mind is thinking about that thing you forgot to do yesterday or that thing you've got to do tomorrow or, or that decision you've got to make. And so you're in the room, but you're not in the room because so much is happening all around you all the time. So my title for today's Truth Bomb is this, so, so busy, dot, 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 so, so tired. And I believe most people will be able to relate to this lifestyle where we're living tired. Most of the time, we're tired. And they're good things that we're doing. But there's just this pressure to, to do so many things and tick so many boxes. And it's hard enough to live this life, but then how often does a curveball get thrown in? In the busyness of it all, in the ticking the boxes, in the trying to keep things running, you have a bad health report. You have a financial setback. Someone lets you down who you never thought would let you down. And it's a curveball on top of everyone else. And then we find ourselves discussing so often nowadays that people are struggling with their state of mind, their mental health. Well, it's no great surprise. There's so much going on all around us all the time and so much to do. And it's getting faster and faster. And there's so many things to do. I can't cope with it all. Ah! I think many of us can relate at one level or another with this lifestyle. Where's the joy gone in it all? So my question to you today is this. Is it time to reset? Is it time to stop and think about who you want to be and what you want to do and what you want to give your time to and how you want to live? Is it time to pause? 
in this Truth Bomb series, the whole premise has been that we look at the Maker's Manual, we look at God's Word, we look at how He says we should live. And then if we apply His principles, the Maker's principles to our lives, we win, others win, and God is glorified. That's become a theme running through it all. So in today's one, how about let's pause from the busyness of it all and look at this concept of rest. It even sounds good, doesn't it? Very onomatopoeic. Rest. Even now, just just breathe a second. Just stop. I know I whipped it up by speaking fast, but it's to help you relate to the situation we all find ourselves in. But now's the time to rest. Just for a moment. Let's look at this concept through God's word, and I believe it's going to help someone to reconsider how they're going to live their life. Genesis 2. And verses 2 and 3, right at the beginning of the word, it says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God, right at the beginning, instigated this thing we now call the Sabbath. And the word Sabbath ultimately means to stop, to pause, to cease, to rest. That's what it means in a nutshell. It just means stop. He instigated this thing called Sabbath. And I love this. He then called it holy. Ultimately, the word holy means to be set apart. But when we're looking at it in a, at a Christian context in God, it's set apart for spiritual purpose. So this Sabbath is to stop and it's to be a day set apart, different from all the others, to reconnect with the Father. You see, there's this spiritual element in the Holy Word. And so the Sabbath is a day set apart. It's different from all the rest. It's not the same. It's the day to pause and to reconnect with the Father. And it's a principle that helps us because here's the thing God wasn't tired. God didn't need to rest, but He knew that we would. And so, right at the beginning, He led the way. He instigated a principle do the work, then it's rest. We all need to rest. We need a day different from the others. We need a day set apart, and it's holy. And we need to be people who start looking at this. Because it's a God-given principle so that we win, others win, and he is glorified. If God himself honored this principle, I think it seems obvious to me that we should too. But the reality is, do we? He backs this all the way through his word. Let me give you another example here in Exodus and chapter 16, verses 21 through 25. Here we find the Israelite people who have been set free from slavery in Egypt. And now they're on their way to the dream. They're on their way to the promised land. And while they're on the way, they are learning to walk out life in relationship with God. And so he challenges them. And he says, I'm going to rain food down from heaven every single day. Let me read the passage to you. It says this. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and uh, reported this to Moses. Moses. 
He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses had commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. So picture the scene. God is teaching his people to trust him. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. He says to them, I'm not going to let you go hungry. I'm going to provide for you. But I don't want you to gather up loaves today for tomorrow and the next day. I want you to trust me every day. So as, he, as they gather up on the Monday, they, they gather enough. But if they don't eat it all, by the Tuesday morning, it's all turned to maggots and stinking. But what does he do? He rains more manna down, more bread from heaven comes down, and they're able to gather it. And over the course of time, they realize they just need to gather a day at a time because God is faithful, and he's going to supply for them, and he's going to feed them, and he's not going to let them go hungry. But then the sixth day comes, and God honors his own principle. I don't want you collecting it on Sunday. I don't want you to collect it on the Sabbath day. I want you to rest. So on the day before the Sabbath, on the sixth day, you collect twice as much. You cook twice as much. And so I won't let it turn to maggots because on the, on the Sabbath day, I want you to rest. And when they woke up, it hadn't turned to maggots. It didn't stink. It was edible still. So they didn't have to collect. They didn't have to cook. They could rest. So God honored his own principle and he was teaching his people that on the sixth days you work and you get it together. But on the seventh day you rest and it allowed flow and it allowed them to reset themselves in order to go on. I don't know how it works out in your household, but I know this. In our household, food is a massive deal. Every day without fail, Josh and Evie will say, what's for dinner? And once they've worked out what's for dinner, what snacks have we got? Oh, every single day I've got to hold my hand up because I think I probably do exactly the same thing. Yes, poor, poor Sarah. You can say, you know, console Sarah in the chat box right now if you want or if you can see her in the room, just console her. Because every single day, what's for dinner? What snacks we got? Oh, is that all we've got? Can you buy this next week? Food, 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 food. All the time. I actually quite love the idea of fasting because what fasting does is it shifts what I call king belly. You see, we're so dictated our whole life is dictated by food and when you fast you get your eyes off of food and your belly it shifts king belly out the way and gets our eyes fully focused on king jesus fasting's a great thing but in our household we like to think about food wouldn't it be awesome if we applied this sabbath principle in our homes today that on one day of the week, we cooked enough, we prepared enough, we organized our, our stuff enough so that on one day of the week, it was a rest. And we didn't cook and we didn't have to ask what was what because we knew, because we prepared in advance and it was a day of rest. And I can just hear every, everyone who runs a household right now going, yes, great idea. Well, you know it's a great idea because it's a God idea. We're supposed to have a day every week where we just stop and we reset. And I love this because God called it holy. It's a day where we stop thinking about our life, stop thinking about what we've got to do, stop worrying about everyone else and every other box we've got to tick, and we rest. 
and we reconnect with the Father because it's holy. Do you know the word holiday? You know, who doesn't love a holiday? You know, I, 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 we talk about holidays. We plan for holidays in our house. We've already been talking about what we might hope to do next year if we're allowed to. But we're, we're planning already and talking about a holiday. We love a holiday. The irony around holidays is we work super hard, double hard, in order to save enough money to go on a holiday to rest from working super hard. That's ironic right by itself. But here's the thing, we still love it. We still like to go away and, and, and to rest. The idea of rest is, is put inside us. We want to rest. But the word holiday comes from an old English word, halig daig. And halig means holy. Daig means day. So this idea of it being a holy day is written into our language and our principles and our thought processes. It's in us. So if it's in us, could we do better with it? Let's keep building the picture. Here in Mark chapter 2 and verses 23 through 28, we find Jesus. Let me read it to you. One Sabbath, Jesus was walking through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick up some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, ate the consecrated bread, which is unlawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some, some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the, even the Lord of the Sabbath. Here's the great thing. The Sabbath is made for man. The Sabbath is for my benefit. The Sabbath is for your benefit. It's not for God's benefit. It's for our benefit. Why? Because God made it that we would need some rest. We need to stop and pause. And reconnect and give ourselves some space. We need to replenish. It is good. And its purpose is for us. You see, the religious leaders of the time had missed the whole heart of the matter. They were so focusing on the rules, you're not even allowed to pick a head of grain. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to lift the finger. But that's not the point. The point is, it doesn't matter what you do as long as it's resting from what you do all of the time. The whole point is this, is that you can stop and reconnect. Jesus declares himself, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. That ultimately is saying, I'm the God of rest. I'm the God who wants to enable you to stop and pause and reconnect and reset and set yourself up so that you can go again. God deemed it that way. But here's the thing. When I consider our lives today, we have the potential to get further and further and further away from God's principles. That's why I think it's so important that we're going through these truth problems right now because what we're actually doing is bringing back God's principles into the forefront of our mind and asking ourselves, are we living like that? See, here's how God deemed it. He said, I will work for six days and I'll rest for one. And when I rest for one, I'll be able to reflect and enjoy what I've done. I'm going to reconnect and I'm going to pause. Today, we work for five days and rest for two. So we're already way off most people. Sorry if you're a six-day worker, but most people work for five days and rest for two. God deemed it that he would work for six days and one day would be a Sabbath. It would be holy. It would be set apart. It would be different. 
Here's the rub for us. Work five days, rest two. Even though we have two days rest, not one, two days rest a day, despite having that, we still struggle to stop our busyness and fully reconnect with God. You see, in our rest days, we still busy ourselves with all these kind of stuff, these boxes we're trying to tick, and we're missing out the holiness. We're getting on with our lives, filling it with all kinds of stuff which we consider to be good. But we're missing the point. Is it time to reset? Jesus declares himself the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest. So when you want to get complete rest, when you want to get recharged, when you want to get replenished, where should you go? To the Lord of rest. The giver of rest, the God of rest. It's the only place you're ever going to get complete rest. But where do we actually go? Well, we go for a coffee. We go on an expedition. We cook a big lunch. We make a social engagement, all in the name of rest. But in doing so, we prevent ourselves from receiving the full rest that God always intended because we're missing out the holiness. We are removing him. We love the concept of rest, but we're missing the holiness. Church, come on, isn't it time we reset back to the maker's manual? That on our rest day, it's to reconnect with the Father. It's to get our eyes off of ourselves and our busyness and reconnect to the Lord of the Sabbath, the God of rest. Because here's the thing, rest isn't just physical. Rest is spiritual and emotional. And the only place you're ever going to get spiritual and emotional rest is with Jesus. Let's have a look what Jesus said about it. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, Jesus speaking, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. See, for me, the reality is you could lie on a beach in the Caribbean, and I love that. You could go be at the top of a mountain ready to ski, and I love that. You could be in some beauty spot anywhere in the world, and I'd love that. You could be with your feet up in front of your favorite TV program, and I love that. And you could be doing all those things in the name of rest. But in all those situations, the mind still ticks. You could be at the top of the mountain looking at this amazing beauty that God's creation, ready to ski down, and it's amazing. But your mind's still thinking, when I get home, I've got that to do. And your mind's still thinking, I hope my family's okay. And your mind's still thinking, I hope my relationship is good. You see, you're resting physically. You're not doing what you always do, but you're not getting complete rest. Because the only place you can get complete rest Is from the Lord of rest. I love it here. Jesus says, I will give you rest for your souls. See, in Jesus, you get rest from the inside out. In the world, you get rest from the outside in. But when you get rest from the inside out, it's a complete another level of rest. It enables you to function at another level. It clears your mind. It sets you up. It empowers you to go again because you are fully rested. You don't get that anywhere else other than in a commitment and a relationship with King Jesus, the Lord of rest. 
I love it. I, my, I like the definition of the soul to be your mind, your will, and your emotions. So in Jesus, he says, I'll give you rest for your souls. Your mind will be rested. Your emotions will be rested. And your will can follow where you're feeling. And when you're feeling rested, it changes how you live. And I think it's so important in this busy, busy, busy world we live with so many pressures. I live in it with you. So many pressures that we take a Sabbath, that we do what God told us to do, that we pause and we reset and reconnect with the Lord of rest where you will get rested from the inside out and enable you to function and breathe. Come on, church. Even in this moment right now, let's breathe. Let's go to the Lord of rest even right now and say, I've got this on my mind. I'm giving it to you. I'm going through this stuff. I'm giving it to you. I'm finding this stuff really heavy to carry in my life. It's draining the life out of me. I'm giving it to you. Because Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's light and easy. And here's the thing with the yoke. The yoke is what you would put on an oxen, isn't it? You'd know it. And it holds the oxen together and it goes over their shoulders. And they're able to steer them and drive them where they're supposed to go. The yoke is what you carry on yourself. Now, the Israelite people who have been listening to Jesus, then they would understand this, that the yoke is the is the teachings that the teacher puts on you in order to guide you in life and so he says my yoke's easy I'm not going to put a whole great big weight on your shoulders and make it difficult for you I want your life to flow I want your life to be easy my yoke is easy come to me and I'll give you rest even for your souls you'll get rested from the inside out and we'll do this together you won't get that anywhere else wherever you look for it other than at the feet of Jesus. So breathe. Take yourself to Jesus even now and say, I rest in you. I'm tired. So much on my plate, but I come to you and I hold you to your word that I will get rest, complete rest in you. See, when we think of the Sabbath, we would think of a particular day. In Jesus' time, that would have been a Saturday. That was, that's the Jewish culture. It's still the Jewish culture today. The Sabbath is Saturday. I don't think God is so concerned with which day it is in your particular world, however your world functions, but he's interested in the heart of it. It's not the rule. It's how you apply it to yourself. I love this, and I hope this helps you. Acts uh, chapter 20 and verse 7. Now, this is the apostles. This is the early churches they're forming. This is the, the disciples and the apostles of Jesus. Many of them walked with Jesus, knew Jesus, and, and they're, they're living out now. They're starting to take his message out, and this is what happened. Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. That's quite a long meeting right there. I won't hold you that long. But here's the thing. They met on the first day. The Sabbath is the Saturday in their culture, but they met on the first day. That would have been Sunday. And here's the thing. There could be all kinds of theories around that, but here's a good one. They were trying to show and demonstrate to a culture around them. We don't believe the same as you. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth to demonstrate heaven on earth. He came to demonstrate what the Father looked like. He lived a perfect life. He, he, he healed people. He taught people. And he died and rose again. And he rose again on the first day and said, come on, church, let's go and make a difference. We celebrate King Jesus, and we want to do it different to you. We're going to meet on the first day. 
And here we are today still meeting on a Sunday, which I think is actually pretty cool. But here's what I love about it. Look at that concept through the eyes of rest. You see, we'd work and work and work in order to get to the place where we need rest. But when we gather around Jesus on the first day, we live from rest. We don't walk, work towards rest. Isn't that a great thought? That on the first day of the week, we come to the Lord of rest and we get around him and he resets us from the inside out. And now as I go into my week, my starting point is rest. When I get up on Monday morning, I'm rested and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to push hard. I'm ready to think clear. I'm ready to love some people. I'm ready to be gentle. I'm ready to be faithful. I'm ready to be kind because my starting point is rest. I live from rest. I don't work hard and try and get to rest. Something shifted and I believe it's a good thing. The Sabbath principle applies. But the early church applied it at the beginning. And I think that's so, so awesome that we live from rest. Making the day a holy day is why we gather as a church on Sunday. And in this COVID season, I think all kinds of habits have formed. And I get it. It's been the weirdest thing in history, hasn't it? It's been so, so odd. But come on, let's pull ourselves back together. We believe, don't we, church, on the gathering. What happens in the gathering? We all gather around the Lord of the Sabbath. We all gather around the one who brings rest. We get to him and we say, we need to recharge. We need to reset. We need to set ourselves up for Monday, for Tuesday, for Wednesday. We need to set ourselves up there. We get our eyes off of ourselves and we praise his name. We lift him high. We bow the knee and we say thank you. We get around his word and we get inspired and we go home rested and ready to go. And it's powerful because God says, where there's unity, I'll command a blessing. So when we come together in unity, God blesses it. And he says, you're going to be rested. You're going to be empowered. You're going to be inspired by my word. You're going to be pulling together and you will make a difference. You are the hope of the world. The local church is what's going to bring the, bring the answers. The local church is what's going to bring heaven to earth. The local church is what's going to represent Jesus well. And as we come together, something powerful happens and we go away and live in rest. So can I challenge you? Come on, whether you're someone watching it online, whether you're someone coming to a watch party, come on, let's reset, let's think, let's prioritize ourselves again. It's important that we do this together. You may be someone who watches church right now on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and that's cool. But the best thing to do is do it together. At half past 10 on a Sunday morning, the first day of the week, we come and we make it holy. It's a day to connect with God, and it's a day where we do it together, where a blessing is commanded, and we live from rest together. It's a powerful, powerful thing. You know, if we could live like this, if in this moment you could challenge yourself to say, Lord, I want to live how you called me to live, the world would be a better place. Wouldn't the world be a better place if it saw the church living out God's principles? That they looked at you in the busy, busy, busy world and in their busy, busy world and there's you flourishing. There's you handling your stuff. There's you thinking clearly and they're like, wow, you're so different. You're like, yeah, but I live like God told me to. I gather with the church on a Sunday morning and I go and I bow the knee to the Lord of the Sabbath and, he, and I get rested every single week. I don't get to the point where I'm at breaking point. I don't get to the point where I can't handle my stuff. Why? Because every single week I take a rest and I get my attention on the Lord of the Sabbath. And he inspires me and he empowers me 
and he gets me thinking different. And he gets my eyes off of myself and onto him. I'm looking at all the problems and I get my eyes on the solution because he is the way maker. I get my eyes on the solution because he is the provider. I get my eyes on the solution because he does inspire me to think differently and to think out the box. I get my eyes on the solution. It changes my world. And as he changes my world, I want to be able to change your world and help you think differently and see it differently and become part of your solution too. But we do that when we get together around rest and we walk out from rest and we just tell a different story in the busy, busy, busy world where people are so, so tired. And maybe you are too. Is it time that we reset and we get our eyes back on Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath and say, I come to you because you've promised that you'll give me rest from the inside out and I'll be able to live differently. So here's your truth bomb. If you are so, so busy and so, so tired, come to the Lord of rest and prioritize a holy day. It will change your world. I'd love to pray for you. Father, I wanna thank you for every brilliant person who's tuning into this message. All of us living in this busy world, doing our best, trying to make the best decisions we can. But we acknowledge we don't always get it right. We acknowledge we get whipped up and carried along with everyone else. But today, Lord God, we come to you, the Lord of rest. And we give you our situations. We give you our problems. We give you the troubles on our minds and we choose rest. I declare right now to everyone listening, rest to your very souls from the inside out. Peace of mind, peace of heart, strength to your bones, empowerment to you, doing life in his strength and not your strength, trusting that he will supply every day, just like he did for the Israelites. He will supply for you. Rest in that. Rest in that. You're an amazing person and God loves you. So rest. Live from rest. I declare it over you in Jesus' name. I love the idea that as we walk out this life with Jesus, we don't just create one day, which is important. It's a Sabbath day. But we walk with him every day. So we can continually live in a state of rest. So as this is your starting point, as we've prayed and we've thought about it and we're, we're getting it in us, let's choose to walk with Jesus every day. And therefore, we can continue to live in a state of rest, not just try and get to the next week, because that's God's heart for you. Maybe you're tuning in today and you've heard this message and you're like, wow, I so relate to that. Is today the day you say, Jesus, I need you. When you come to Jesus, it just changes your world. It gives you a fresh hope in your heart. You'll never get anywhere, anywhere else. And Jesus says, I'm here for you. I laid my life down for you. It's open to everyone. I've chosen you. Would you choose me? It's the day, the day you choose Jesus. Well, if it is, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. And once we've prayed that prayer, I'd love it if you just message into the church and we'd love to do life with you. Maybe send you a book, a, a Bible, and, and maybe just help you walk it out. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you love me so, so much. And today I choose to love you back. Today I choose to open up my heart and say, Jesus, you're welcome here. 
I, I turn away from the things that have separated us. And today I choose you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my friend. You are welcome here. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, God bless you. We're here for you. I'd love to do life with you. But press in. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Hey, church, have an awesome, awesome week. I really look forward to seeing you on Wednesday for our vision night. It's going to be a great, great time. Be blessed. See you soon.